0: podcast this show is dedicated to each of us being better in all areas of our lives mentally spiritually physically and relationally we want to help you be a better you because when you man up already the world around you is greatly impacted here on the podcast we don't believe you're an accident we believe each of us is created for purpose and this show is dedicated to helping you discover and live out that purpose again welcome to the show and let's check out another great episode. Alright, hey everyone. Welcome back to the Man Up Already podcast. Super excited to have you here and ready to crank out another another exciting episode with an incredible guest. Super pumped to have him today. But before we we dive into that You know, it's funny, I'm recording this on a Friday. Tomorrow is June 10th. It is the Man Up Already Growth Conference that we're having. Now, by the time you listen to that, that event will have happened. So I'm already speaking into existence how incredible that event is going to be. But for all of you that were not able to make that, if you go to www.manupalready.com, go to the website, we're going to have resources from the conference there. Um, just make sure you sign into our emailing list to get those resources and so many wonderful, incredible things on the horizon for the podcast and for the movement. This this movement is gaining traction and uh, it, it's just, it's so awesome. I've known our guests for a very long time, but when, 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 Friends call you up and go, hey, I hear you're the man guy. You're, you're the guy that stands for manhood, right? Then you know your movement is gaining traction, which we're excited by. So without further ado, let's bring in our guest. He has an incredible, incredible 40-year career uh, in business. We've had the honor and privilege of watching that career for 20 years. Um, incredible guy. He's in the top 1% of his company. But more importantly, guys, he's married for 30 years. He has two kids, an incredible wife. His kids are now mid-20s. Um, this guy is, is is when I think of biblical manhood, when I think of, of a, a man's man, a man with God's heart, um, this guy absolutely comes to mind. An incredible man, an incredible leader, husband, father, great friend, it is my honor and privilege to welcome to the Man Up Already podcast, Mr. Michael Pressler.
1: Thank you, buddy. I, I'm I'm really excited to be here, and uh, I'm so happy that you've become the voice uh, for for being a man. You know, I, it's something that really kind of tugs at my heart, and and uh, I've been watching what's going on in uh, in the world around me. And I think more and more people need to start standing up to tell the truth about what being a man really is. So I, I appreciate you to lead the way and allowing me to kind of talk to you today. But it's great seeing you.
0: Oh, uh, it's it's an honor. I mean truly when you when you had called and and had had said that, I, I was just kind of, you know, blown away. So it's um, it's fun to um, you know get together with like minded men who live and breathe the example, right? It's never perfect. It's never perfect, right? Like being a man is – is, and I'm going to set the tone, by the way. I'll put an E on our episode, right? But being a man is freaking hard shit, right? It's not easy, right, doing what it is that we do and standing and being the rock for our family, in business, being a leader. Um, it, it's not an easy endeavor, but it is, um, it is one that is absolutely necessary, needed, and divine.
1: Yep. It's um... – Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about it, I think there's a there's this incredible onslaught of negative narrative of what a man is. And, uh, you know, my observation is that there's the narrative is incorrect. Right. So you're they've made everything that I think of as being a man. um, You know, they use the word toxic masculinity out there to describe people who, you know, do what the Bible tells us to do or uh, lead our family or try to provide for our family. Somehow that's insensitive. And, and uh, I, I disagree. I, my, I was raised by a really strong man who um, who the number one thing in his life was providing for his family and treating his wife with respect. And uh, I saw, I saw what it looked like to be strong and kind at the same time. And I think there's a misunderstanding about kindness is weakness, and if you're manly, then you're not kind. And I think the truth about being a real man is understanding that you're flawed, right? Recognizing your own challenges, not acting as if somehow you have all the answers. Uh, trying to get better every single day, uh, and 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 understanding that you're 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 flawed too, right? So um, I had a good role model that, that you know I was blessed with a really good role model who kind of. Thread that needle really well. Strong, firm, fair, honest, man of integrity, man of God, family first, uh, just a great role model. So I was blessed in that regard.
0: You know, and, you know, we, you're, I think we're we're about 10 years apart in age. But I think, you know, generationally, we kind of, you know, grew up and, you know, things didn't change much over that 10-year time span, right? I mean, the 60s obviously were different than the 70s but there was a lot of movement in between both but you know we grew up at a time that was more um self-reliant you know what i mean like tech i'm a big big um i speak a lot on or thump the what drum on um what social media is doing to our society because i think if you were to look at the number 1 Contributor to why there is a decline. It's media, and and now everything is so right in front of your face. Um, we didn't grow up in that time, so it, we we relied on what was in our home, what was in our community, right? Like it, there, there really was. We grew up in a time where you had it in the home, and if it wasn't in the home, it was in your neighborhood. If it wasn't in your neighborhood, it certainly was in your schools. Like there, it was for lack of better terminology one nation under god and those principles were applied everywhere you didn't you didn't leave your home it, like the value system didn't really change you know what i mean you knew you were held accountable kind of wherever you walked in and you're living in new jersey right and and i grew up in new york as you know we both either grew up or live in the tri-state area and that area is under fire more than ever on a value system on what's allowed and, and what's being eroded. I mean, it's crazy what's happening.
1: You know, I, I describe being a father as a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, no rest position if you do it right, you know, and even my my kids at 25 and 26 still grew up in a time that was a little different than the time now. It was, it was easy, even easier for me to control the content that they were exposed to than I would be able to do if I had grandchildren right now, right? right. Uh, but w- when I grew up, when I walked out of my house, the first thing we did was we played in the neighborhood. And if I stepped out of line playing stickball down the street, th- it was carte blanche understood that my father gave permission for my neighbor 10 houses down to slap me in the head <laughs> if I used bad language or did something that he perceived as against what my father would think was the righteous thing to do. Right. And then when I left there, I went to play little league and the little league coach felt compelled to parent me in the same way my father would have parented me had he been on the field with me. Right. So I went into school and when I did something wrong at school or if the, the, the you know, the the school was teaching me the same principles that my parents were teaching me at home and if i stepped out of line my parents came in and stood on behalf of the school system to tell me i needed to respect my elders and authority and now now it's mass chaos right now now uh if you're not you know you've got to instill your moral fiber in your children now times 10. yeah because if you don't insulate them uh and you don't build a bubble around them that th- somebody else is going to penetrate that bubble right somebody else is going to get in there and it's, to me, almost intentional to subvert the morality that I've tried to instill upon my children. It's, it's infuriating to me.
0: And your daughter is now essentially on the front lines, right, teaching third grade in, in Jersey or New York?
1: She's in New Jersey, yeah. She's yeah. in the school system in Jersey.
0: And that's got to be, I mean, I was a school teacher, right? I, my wife and I both were, were teachers and we talk about it all the time that we would, we would be fired and probably brought up on charges today for the things that we said and did to, to discipline our students and, um, you know, to, to teach respect.
1: You can't, you can't, there, there's no, um, there's no such thing, um, the discipline's a bad word now, uh. It, it it really is. I mean, they they've almost the they've almost labeled the way we were raised as abusive, right? Like they would, the, if 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 my daughter ever tried to discipline a child the way we were disciplined, she would be brought up on disciplinary action of her own. So uh, the teachers, I feel bad for them, the ones that have a moral compass are handcuffed, because there's only so far they can go yeah. before they become accused of being abusive. Right. So she she's a wonderful teacher and she's her uh, her philosophy is is uh, love all over them. Right. But at some point uh, without consequences, behavior continues to erode. Right. Bad behavior erodes. And it it's so counterintuitive because. You know, when you're teaching a first or second or third grader as a teacher and you see a behavior that you could correct and not allowed to correct. uh, Later on in life, uh, that behavior starts to expand. And that's why you see a lot of people doing things that you would never expect a teenager to do. Um, And some of those things could be criminal. And they got away with little things all along the way. So without a consequence for the little thing, they became bigger and bigger. Right. And even now, what's going on is the crim- the criminal attitude is is looked upon as the victim. Yep. And in and, and where I live, uh, victim rights are much more important than, than uh, uh, criminal rights are more important than victim rights. And that's uh, well, crazy.
0: Yeah, no, it, 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 and for those that maybe are listening and are unaware, you're watching. Um, I mean, there's so many different things, right? And they set a precedent, right? You do, you allow one thing and somebody can hearken back on it and, and use that as, as yeah. an example. I mean, there's things like, um, because I read the New York Post, um, you see things like people, you know, shop owners in, in New York. You know, people coming behind the counter and and trying to kill them, right, or yeah. assault them, and then they they in self defense end up going to jail. I mean, it, it it's it, that's that's when the I, I've said, Mike, for a long time, that the moral the moral clamps, if you will, are coming undone on our society. Yeah. Um. And and on here, I've said many times, you know, in Florida, you you have. Um, hurricane like we're in hurricane season right now and the yeah. and the beauty of hurricanes or uh, if you're up north snowstorms or blizzards you know it's coming right so at first there's that period of is it coming and then no it's coming and you need to prepare properly and if you prepare properly you're going to be um you know okay on the other side of that thing because you knew it was coming i think we're at a time in our society where the storm is or the 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 the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, right? But the storm is coming and it's really now, there's no longer preventing it. It's how do you prepare for it? And which is why we're doing everything that we do here mm-hmm. to make people aware of what's happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the, and the thing is, if you don't open your eyes to the variety of news outlets that are available, then you live in an echo chamber and that echo chamber supports this false narrative of what's going on and, the, and so for you to get the truth about what's happening up by me is you have to read the new york post and if you read the new york post i'm sure you're accused of being a right-wing extremist who is uh is a science denier and uh all the other things that come along with trying to educate yourself on reality you know yep but, but the reality when you see the reality with your own eyes um it's hard for somebody else to convince you that you're wrong and, and I live up here. You know, I live here. I see it in, in real time, what's going on. And it's, it's you know, I, I think the only hope that I have is I think that the loudest voices are amongst the smallest minority. And the good people, uh, the guys like you, very few people know what to do to try to counter the narrative that's out there. Uh, so, folks... The, the, the people who are like us uh, their their top priority lists are making a living, putting a shelter over their family, feeding them, uh, getting out of work in time to run to a sporting event, right getting to their whatever you know faith they follow, uh, making sure they they, they they stay on on point with their faith. The, the priority list is so long that way down the road is protesting. Uh, protesting whatever they're trying to jam down the throats of our kids, right? But because of that, our voices aren't heard. And I I think the good news for me is I feel like we may be at a tipping point where enough is enough, right? And you're starting to see folks who uh, don't have the time to do the things that need to be done are making time to have their voices heard. And I think that's something that needs to rise up. Uh, and you know, I think we're starting to see it out there a little bit. We're seeing school boards having to hear uh, what the what the parents actually think. Um, you know, you saw in California, you, you you saw a variety of diverse parents coming to protest uh, things that were being uh, pushed on their children. So it's not just oh, you're you're, you're white privilege, and so therefore. Uh, you're against transgenderism, or you're against uh, diversity. That's not true at all. We are pro children. We are pro morality. Uh, We are not anti anything. And the more diverse the outrage becomes, I think the more uh, serious this stuff is going to be taken.
0: Well, and I've said, you know in in conversations with my wife because it's not necessarily something that i'm you know shouting out loud but you can only push you can only push good people so far before something breaks and either we have a comp- a shift or something's going to break and it's that break that is um you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we, we, you know, I love what you you talked about, that good people are finally standing up. I love when you see things like how much... And it's funny, right? Hit the hit the purse or hit the wallet and you're going to start to see change. Look what happened to Anheuser-Busch, right? Like, here's a well-known, right, respected company that's been an icon in our co- country for a very long time. And, um, you know, they put the wrong person in the right position and... Um, you know they they they're they're suffering for it and and so I think that that's how you know here's a small example um, but you can you can protest and I don't even think protest is the right word right I think it's just standing firm in your principles yeah right but um, I'll I'll give a silly silly example it has really nothing to do it, it kind of does and it doesn't with what what we're talking about but. I'm a big movie guy. I'm definitely a big Star Wars guy. You can see behind me, right? There's all that memorabilia, right? But Lucasfilm got bought by Disney, and I follow this, and Disney has a woman in charge of the, of of Lucasfilm, and so she's the one who makes all the decisions, and she's kind of putting in the woke ideals into these iconic franchises like Star Wars and now a new Indiana Jones movie is coming out, and And sure enough, she's following suit, and they're kind of protesting how she's changing this movie, and they're expecting it to flop because of what she's doing. And I'm sitting here going, I may be a fan, but I don't know if I'm going to go pay money to go see it because if it has a crappy showing, it's going to prove that the agenda is not – you know what I mean? Like it's little things like that that we can say, hey, I'm not going to give my hard-earned dollars to companies or or franchises that stand for – that's the kind of thing that we can do to stand for change, to, to say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not giving you my time. I'm not giving you my money. This is what I stand for, and I'm going to show it in, in ways that get your attention.
1: Yeah, when you vote with your dollar, it makes a, a big uh, it, it, it makes impact. And I think this is all happening organically. I think uh, the word capitulation, you know, there's a, there's a moment in time where everybody just goes, enough is enough and it, it, you don't even have to talk to a fellow like-minded person it seems like the the mountain of nonsense has gotten so big that people capitulated and said no i'm not going to target i'm not drinking but i, I you know i i've got friends who drank bud light since since they were you know they, they it came out and uh and 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 i remember the the Clydesdale commercials that used to give me chills up in yep. my arms, and and the the patriotism. But by the way, the word patriot became negatively implied. Now, 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 to be a patriot, God-loving person, is now somehow looked at as uh, some kind of domestic terrorist, and and it's ridiculous. The the uh, the 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 missteps that they're making is 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 unfortunate because the the sad part of Anheuser Bush is along with them getting a message as a corporation there are people on the front lines that deliver that beer that mm. sell that beer that are guys like you that are taking the hit too and that's the the biggest challenge to me is that you know the the knucklehead who decided that she didn't want the brand to be associated with the frat boy life or uh, patriotism she'll go get another job as the, the Diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist at some other company, and she'll make a big six-figure income. And all the root guys that were selling the distribution of the product are going to be looking for a job, right? It's it's yeah. it's it, it, the middle America always pays the price for stupidity, and that's and 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 I'm hoping uh, uh, we aggregate the morality that it's going to take to 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 make the switch, you know, to 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 take back to take back the the narrative. I'm hoping. You know, one of the
0: things that to, to shift to kind of um, what people can do, especially men moving forward. um, Part of the reason why I do the podcast and why we have the movement is, is really teaching a younger generation what it, what really is supposed to be and, and look like and, and some foundational principles that they can stand on to, you know, to guide their family or to be a better man. You know, all of this for me started, I don't know if you know this, if we ever talked about this, but it was because of being in the business of hiring and training and developing people that I saw a younger generation, more millennial and and certainly younger, that for men, there was a shift for me somewhere in, in the mid, like around 2015 is when I personally started to notice That you and I both know in that journey of success in anything, right? If you want a successful marriage, business, career, doesn't matter what it is, you hit that point of everything you know and everything you are is not enough to get you to the next level. There's a a gear that you have to kick into, typically one that you're eating a lot of crap, to get to that next level, right? That's where humility comes in. Like, I don't know enough. I've got to learn. I've got to seek out mentors. I've got to humble myself and, and dig in. And I noticed that men would hit that point and shrink and women would hit that point and they would kick in. And that's where it was like, okay, you and I were not raised like that. Whenever you hit that point, right? Our fathers were there to go get off your ass and and get it done, right? That was always the the answer. What do you, what do you mean? Just do it, right? Like, like yeah. It really was, that was the approach to life. So what have you done with, um, your son and what do you plan on doing now right eventually you'll be a grandfather as I will at some point like and and it's even harder for them as you said what, what would you say are some foundational principles to instill in our kids or in you know if you're a younger man listening like these are some of the things that you need to really get right
1: yeah well that, that's a great observation and great question I've noticed the same thing um, I think First of all, we uh, men, young men, have been brainwashed uh, to think that there's something wrong with them, and mm. they they've been brainwashed to think that those instincts that they feel that I think are anthropological, uh, your your defense mechanism, your fight or flight instincts, your protective instincts, your providing you know, your, your desire to provide those instincts are anthropologically implanted in us for the survival of the species. Right. And I think there's been a slow erosion, uh, intentionally to convince our kids that there's something wrong with them for thinking that way. Right. So it's almost like they're being forced to resist an instinct. And that instinct that they're feeling has been, um, has, has been, They've been hypnotized to think, wow, I'm feeling this way. There's something wrong with me. I got to back off. I'm being overly competitive. I'm being overly aggressive, right? And so women who have not experienced the assault that those emotions you're feeling of aspiration, your aspirational thoughts are, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. Uh, So at, at the same time that guys were told, wow, you've got toxic masculinity. All your competitiveness is so aggressive. Uh, and so, so now young men are pulling back and women are forging forward because they're being empowered to do the things that we used to do instinctively, right? right. So the first thing I, I did with my kid was uh, told them that competition is a good thing. And if you're feeling competitive, it means that you are striving for more. And that should translate to the to the rest of your life. The second thing I taught my kid is there's nothing better or let's let's say there's nothing better than somebody who wins with dignity. And there's nothing worse than someone who is a sore sport. Right. So in a sporting event, my kid was always told to shake the hand of the opponent, help the guy up after he knocked him down, you know. And so kindness and weakness do not go together. Strength. Uh, comes along with being kind. It takes a lot more to be kind. Uh, and so I, I tell I tell my son, you know, my son's a gentle giant. Uh, but when push comes to shove, if he fears danger or senses somebody in his loved one group is at risk, he steps up, right? And then talk about man up already. Uh, the instinct for most of us is to step up when we're supposed to. It goes against our nature to stand aside or step backwards. So, um, you know, I, 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 I've taught my, my son um, that it's okay to open up a door for a woman. Uh, it's okay to pull off the side of the road to help somebody change a tire. Uh, it, it's okay to say thank you and no thank you and please and sir um, to show respect, right? It's okay to admit that you're wrong. Uh, it, it's, it's okay to accept uh, somebody's criticism without having to fight back. But if but not to be uh, criticized for something that you didn't do, you know, I taught my kid how to say uh, if somebody said something that he didn't agree with, I taught my son how to say, I'm sorry you feel that way or I'm sorry, you, you know, you feel that way. What can we do to fix this? Not, oh, my God, I, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do. It. You know, you don't apologize for something you didn't mean to do. But you could also say to somebody, I'm sorry you feel that way if for some reason they associated you with the reason they feel that way, um, you know, we talk all the time that it's okay to want things. It's okay to have aspirations, uh, and as long as you don't let money be your god, then it's okay to be wealthy because being wealthy enables you to do a lot more good. And we talked about this for years, right? Money yep. makes good people better and bad people worse, right? So um, you know, those those are the things that I'm trying to get back to, I'm really standing my ground right now, uh, with the, the, uh, the liberal idea of what man, a man is, uh, and, and, and I push back and I, you know, I take right now, I'm taking care of my mom who's, you know, took a deep dive into d- dementia. Um, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm a strong guy and strong guys take care of the people around them, you know? So these are all, these are all things that I think are important that, that 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 men men know men need to be faithful men need to be strong i'll tell you john last year february 5th of last year so 14 or so months ago i decided i was going to give up drinking just to see if i could do it uh i was decided i was gonna do that you know uh uh uh, myself physically i started doing a couple workouts a day and and reading a bunch more stuff and i started to instill discipline i'm a disciplined person to begin with but what I'm doing is I'm showing what it looks like more than telling what it looks like. Right. Uh, waking up early, going to bed late, working when I don't have to uh, stepping into things when I really don't have to, I could be doing a lot of other stuff. So, you know, stepping up when, when maybe you don't have to step up is, is uh, something that I'm trying to do lead by example and things like that. And the, and the crazy thing is the disciplines that it took to stop, drinking. I was not an alcoholic by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I said, well, let me see if I could do this. Everybody, The whole world during COVID decided it's okay to drink every night. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you know? a, but I'll I tell you what, man, it's amazing what the sacrifice of something as simple as that, how it translates into other things in your life that makes you stronger and more mentally tough. And, uh, and I have talked about, you know, building your mental toughness tolerance, your tolerance for pain, uh, building up your pain tolerance, emotional pain tolerance is important because we as men are asked sometimes to carry the emotional burden of others. And if you're strong, I think you could do it, right? Sometimes it's necessary to do it.
0: There's a lot to unpack right there, Mike. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, okay, let me make sure I can keep track of, of just these these things that are so in alignment with what the, the kind of the man up already mindset and movement is for me and, and, and what I endeavor to put out there. Number one, you know, it's built on four pillars and those four pillars are integrity, humility, authenticity, and morality, right? Because I really believe that if as a man you stand on those four pillars – You're gonna live a really good life. You know what I mean? Like you're you're gonna take care of your family. You'll I I just believe if that's the root of how you show up, good things are gonna happen. And uh, just thinking when when you're talking about you know, I think the one thing that I've uncovered in dealing with my own trauma, and I'm very transparent here on the podcast and just in people, I had a an absolute midlife crisis at the end of 2019, and it was. 49, right before my 50th birthday, right before COVID, I freaking imploded. And when I, from that time, unpacked all of the reasons why and what contributed to it, a big, big thing that I um, speak about is, one, dealing with trauma, because we all deal with it in some form or fashion. But more importantly, developing strong self-concept. Because if you were to look at, I think, the root of, of all the things, most of the things out there and what people do in the end is how they view themselves. And if yeah. you do things that, if you have a strong inner core concept, we call it core, right? I have a strong core, but how you view yourself really is how you view and approach the world. And if you do the things that build that self-confidence, how you show up, Right, exemplifies the things that you're talking about. Perfect example, right? And I love that you're talking about the drinking thing because it happened for me yesterday, right? Like, I'm I'm a creature of habit, and I remember, um, it was I remember the year it was 2007. We were at a celebration for somebody going vice president that was in the same office that we were in, and I had a second beer that day, and my mood shifted, and that was when I was like. I probably need to lay off that because for whatever reason, it's shifting my mood. I remember being very, very coherent of that fact and, and making that change. But literally this past week, I'm like, all right, my body doesn't respond the way it used to at 53, the way it did at you know certainly 43 or younger. And so I look at contributing factors like if I want to stay healthy, what am I doing habitually that's keeping that from happening? And when I cook, I like to have a glass of wine or a, you know what I mean? Like I, it's just a habit, right? So if I'm cooking, I'll grab a beer or I'll grab a glass of wine. Well, yesterday I'm, or a couple days ago, I'm like, I took a cocktail glass and I have one of those ice balls, which normally would get, you know, either tequila or scotch poured over and I poured club soda. And what I learned over the last three days is it's not the alcohol, it's the actual pouring of the glass and holding the glass and taking a sip. That is the habit. So I'm sitting there yesterday and it's Thursday and I'm like, okay, you know, it's Thursday, I'm cooking. I go to grab a scotch and my kids are sitting in the living room. And the thought was, how often do they watch me go into that cabinet? Yeah. Right. And now they're young adults, right? And they, I'm not, uh, like you said, an alcoholic and I'm certainly not a drunk, but what example am I setting? And so I closed the cabinet, pulled out a club soda, right? And my son is watching that. And he goes, well, let me try that. And he grabs the ice ball, puts it in the glass, pours the club soda. He goes, okay, you know. But my point is, is though I want the scotch, I probably should have the club. But what that does, what you've experienced, is that builds that inner concept. That that's the the little win, and and we talk about you and right. We've talked about it for years. And the road to success, it's the little wins that matter that build that confidence.
1: So, uh, so spot on. Okay that it's it, and pe- the, the, the reason people don't do is because it's too simple to understand that the little wins are the things that change you for the big the big event right and so i'll elaborate a little bit on what you just said it i i called it the ritual okay i was the ritual so during COVID, the ritual was deal with all the stress try to figure out how to keep the business moving right be the emotional carry the emotional weight of everybody who's freaking out because it's the end of days and you know and up here we were locked down down yeah. there by you guys but well, we were locked down for a while right so it was you know turn on the tv to find out what the next alert is going to be deal with zoom i had my son zooming in one room my daughter teaching virtually in the other room uh i'm in the Third room, trying to teach people how to do technology that I didn't understand.
0: Yeah, and
1: yeah. the day would end at say let's like six thirty unless I had something at at after you know for an evening Zoom. Uh, but the ritual for me was chilled tumbler in the freezer. Okay, those circle uh, cylinder ice cubes in the little thing that yeah. I I got. I used to have them in the in the little uh, thing itself. And I would just separate them and I'd put one in there. And then I'd, but I, I decided that was enough. So I would freeze them and put them in a bag. So I'd have an unlimited supply <laughs> of them. It was, it was really ritualistic. It was my mini uh, virtual vacation. I would go on a boat ride. It, and the boat ride was sit in my chair and, and turn on a, a sport, a, something sport related, have my little side table, get up go to the freezer, take out my favorite tumbler, sound of the ice cube clicking into the glass, started getting the endorphin released because now I'm going on a little 30 minute holiday and then pouring the scotch to the top of the ball and sitting down and going into the zone. Right. And how many days did my kids watch that they were living with me. And I thought, all right, it's the ritual, not the actual alcohol. And I stopped it, and I will tell you, man, everything that's happened to me since then—the uh, little win of that—has has given me so much. It, it's changed me. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. And it, it could be anything. It was, and it, it could have been the reverse. It could have been me starting drinking a gallon of water a day, and putting up with the discipline of remembering. Oh man, you got to finish the gallon of water. It could have been working out twice a day, right? That started the, the thing. So it wasn't necessarily the act of the replacing scotch with club soda that was the turning point it was the turning point of doing something small that led to other disciplines that have led to big changes in my life right yeah and i'll tell you the last thing is i think people look at you or or even me right now and they think oh that guy's just special that guy's superhuman or that guy doesn't deal with the same crap I deal with, or I could never do that. I'm a creature of habit. I don't have any willpower. They all, they, they, like you said, the inner self-core, uh, the verbiage they use to define their self-core actually destroys the self-core. And so when you say, you know what, I could try this. I could give this a shot. You start to learn that there's nothing that's impossible. And the more that you do the things that you thought were impossible, the more you empower yourself to believe Wow, you do have some strength that you didn't realize you have. it's yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, man.
0: Yeah, well, and and we could kind of segue a little bit into because you've been so successful in many areas, and I remember, you know, having a front row seat to when you were not feeling so good about where you were in the game, right? That that you were playing business wise, and and then things changed, and and you you were always, always, and have been the you know, it, success isn't a direct line. It's curved and there's, right, you move forward and you move back, but it's all about your mindset, right? And and certainly what I've learned is it's never the destination. It's always the journey. You know, yeah. um, uh, somebody who's mentored you and I both, you know, Jim Meyer, you know, would say all the time, enjoy the process. And I'm like, I fucking hate the process. What are you talking about? The process yeah. sucks, you know, yeah. but, but it really is about um, the process. So... Let's talk about goals for a little bit and 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 getting those wins. You know, I I'm such a fan of goal setting and and the the process. You know, I I to get there. And I speak a lot on um. There's there's the difference between wants and wishes, and then there's real legitimate emotional goal. Like until a goal is absolutely emotional, mm-hmm. change doesn't really happen. Right? It's only when we get sick and tired of. Of, of who we are, how we look, how we feel, whatever, that you're either going to die in that or you're going to make significant changes. Last year, unfortunately, we watched my father in law die because he just was unwilling to emotionally change, right? He couldn't, you know, his, his emotions translated into his physicality, and that's ultimately, you know, what killed him. But I, I think it's so important to make sure that you're emotionally connected to your goals it shouldn't take and at this conference tomorrow you know my message is it shouldn't take the freaking house on fire or the wife walking out before you emotionally get connected to change having to happen you know like so let's kind of dive into that a little bit in our remaining time yeah. just on cuz you know i've seen you set goals and hit goals and it's uh, you know it's never a it's never a when or, or it's never a if it's a when right, right. it's if right. if you're committed to your goals it's never an if because if you're always betting on yourself, that to me is the greatest bet that you can make, is on yourself. Because you have control; you can make yes. the changes. You can, you can, you can dig it. So let, let's kind of dive in there a little bit. I know it's a big topic, but, but maybe we could talk. Well, about Well,
1: it's it. a huge topic because I don't want I I don't want people to think that it came naturally, right? I, I think for both of us, we were we were plunged into a industry or a career and a company that really was goal oriented and we were led by people that were just jackhammers you know jackhammer gold jackhammers. um and sometimes i would look at some of these people who would uh talk about goal setting bob safford comes to mind you know the guy was a machine and it just <laughs> like I, I mean i would think i'm not you I, I remember thinking a thousand times dude i'm not i'm not you i'm not a guy who's gonna have index cards and, you know, put them on my everywhere I look, I'm going to tape index cards. I just wasn't that person. Um, but I want to I mean, I really I've talked to so many people about this is it's 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 personal desire that drives all this stuff. Right. And so the one thing I learned was I never hit a goal that somebody else set for me unless I wanted to hit that goal. Right. Right. So so it's got to be personal. You said that it, it must be deeply emotional and it's got to be something that you really want. You see what value it's going to add to your life when you get it. And my my suggestion from, from you know with me was I tried to set goal. When I started setting goals, I, I actually read some books about how to do it because I don't think any of that stuff comes naturally, right? You know, it says go oh, let's set a goal, and you know there's steps to goal setting and all that stuff, and some of it's really clinical. And I, I think you could be as good at the clinical, technological side of goal setting and never hit a goal if you don't place the emotional uh, attachment to it, right? So yep. I would I would posit that everybody needs to tap into the emotional side of their goal in order to then figure out the technical side of actually tearing it up and making it happen. Um, but uh, baby steps are uh, uh, of. of, of huge importance, right, set a goal that is um, not so magnificent that it's going to be a 35 year attempt to get there, because we build on small wins. And you said that earlier, I I used to, I used the example like you, you said, Jimmy used to say, enjoy the process. But he would say, enjoy the process, even when the process is not enjoyable, right, which you say it sucks. Sometimes it sucks doing the enduring the process that sucks builds the confidence Correct. that lets you keep throwing the haymakers that accomplish your goal right and then the god has given us this incredible gift of endorphins and i used to call them um task completion t- t- uh, task completion uh, hormones or, or orphans. <laughs> and I, I used to use this example. Like I hate cleaning my garage. My family always wounds my garage. And then I, I hit a snapping point because usually it's, I pull my car in, I step on something, I trip, bang my head into something else. And then I go, oh, I'm going to clean the garage. And I know it's filthy. I know it's crowded. I know I got to pull all the cars out and I got to just bring everything into the driveway, clean it all out, create piles, figure out what's going to charity, figure out what's going in the trash, then get my leaf blower and get coal miners long. <laughs> and, and then I stand there. And this is why I'm telling you this is I dread that task for whatever, the five weeks prior to me finding the Saturday that I'm going to do the task. I get up in the morning and I'm like, all right, this is the day. I dread it as it's the garage doors are opening. I'm dreading it. Even the sound of the garage door makes me sick. And then when I'm done and I'm exhausted and I got a big dirt dirt ring, I look, I go, wow, what else could I do that makes me feel as good as I feel right now? I go upstairs and clean out my closet, right? So the endorphin release of completing the task that you dreaded is what feeds you completing the next task Mm. and so what i would say to everybody is do something that you can do even though you don't want to do it and then build on it it's like going to the gym when you so most people start the gym they go to the gym and they do some things maybe they overdo it a little bit the next day they wake up sore and they go yeah i'm going to take today off because i'm sore and i realized that when you're sore you got to go back to the gym because you have acid buildup. And the only way to get rid of it is doing a few hundred push ups and some curls and some, some aerobics, right? So doing the things that you least want to do at the time are usually the things that you need to do at the time, right? So I've kind of flipped the script on things and I go against what my brain is telling me to do. And, uh, and now I'm able to do bigger tasks that lead to bigger rewards because I got caught up in accomplishing the little ones.
0: And it, it's all it's all building fundamentals, right? Whether you know, I, I we learned it from the same place. I call it's the seven Fs. You know, our good friend Mark Marchesani was was so great at teaching that. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, if you build fund the fundamentals in your faith, in your family, in your finances, in your fitness, in your career, like they all. Uh, my saying is, success is built on a chassis. Right, it's the same chassis for for everything and it's always about the fundamentals um i know that when i don't want to go to the gym and i go to the gym and i'm bitching and moaning all the way to the gym when i start running in place as soon as i start doing that right then i'm ready to go like it's just oh i had to move i had to you know i had to get moving get going like you talked about right as soon as you get into the thing you start to enjoy the thing and there's something especially for men it's very satisfying of uh, walking around knowing you did the thing that most people were unwilling to do.
1: Yes. Right. That's, that's exact. So that's it, man. Like to me, that's it. And, and so my question to, to you is how do you instill that thought into others that have not had beaten it out of them? It's been beaten out of them. Like the, the to me, everybody I'm, I'm constantly like, like right now I, I live in a circle my, I, when I stop drinking alcohol and it's the reason I keep bringing it up is because it's really the glaring thing that I get to look at to, to evaluate everything else in, in my life. And every circle that I operate in, whether it's, you know, philanthropic, whether it's sports, you know, golf, whether it's, you know, the business, uh, social, everything I do, everybody, it revolves around alcohol. And, People, I've actually become like a role model, almost like this sponsor of people who don't need to be sponsored, but they're so intrigued by the decision. They have, they associated me as the guy that they could always bank on to have a drink with them. You know, Mm -hmm. that we're going to yuck it up. Um, They never really realized that we could yuck it up without the drink. The drink was just part of the social fiber that connected us. But if we rethought about what we're, our connection is, it's just we want to hang out with each other. We could have the same laughs with a, with a soda, right? Or a club soda. Uh, people are fascinated. It's unbelievable. People are fascinated. Like I, go, I joined this, this crazy hit gym uh, and I'm in there and it's like the average age is 28 and then there's 62 year old me. And nothing makes me happier. Than watching a guy dry heave. That's twenty five years old. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a sickness.
0: No, no, that's, no. That's all. It makes us younger, right? It, it's yeah. it's satisfaction of I freaking did it.
1: Yes, yes. And so I don't know if I've always been like that. I think I try to think back. I think I've become more that way. Maybe the older I get. Maybe maybe I'm 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 really fighting against the inevitable. And I like fighting against the inevitable. I feel like I have control if I'm fighting against the inevitable. I think a lot of people just throw in the towel and they say they use excuse. They say things like, "Well, I'm not in the shape I used to be." Well, are you doing the things you used to do to be in the shape you used to be in? Because it's a very easy thing Uh, if you're doing nothing. You're if you did nothing at 25, you'd probably be a heavy, overweight 25-year-old, right? I look around my, 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 my kids, my kid you know, we got a pool in the backyard and I love having a you know a bunch of kids run around. And they're kids, they're twenty five. They have barbecues and you know they 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 go uh they say stuff like, Oh yeah, Mr. P I got a man, I, I got a dad bod now. I'm like, No, you don't and I'll take my shirt off, I go, This is a dad bod. And I and I'm I'm more ripped than they are, right? Yep. That sounds yep. stupid and I take, like, you can do whatever you want to do. If you ex- if you accept where you are, that's where you're staying. And how do you get that into people's heads, man?
0: Well, I- I'm going to bring us full circle because, okay. you know, we're coming to the close. Yeah. But the answer is, I really believe this, Mike, that inside all of us, because I, I truly believe, right? We are divinely created. You talked about anthropology, but I, I you know, th- there is. You talked about it, right? Like that, the spark of God is inside. I've heard you t- deliver that talk. You know, enthusiasm, right? God within, yes. right? Like, within. like we are, we are divinely created, and I truly believe that inside is the desire to be fit to have a good family. Like it's it's wired into us, right? Gotcha. But society has has made it. You know, my first episode of this podcast in 2019 was mediocrity in a participation rewarding society. (laughs) You know, like so it's we've just been lied to on a on a large level, but that inherent desire is wired into people. They just need someone to freaking be the example and lead them out. That's what leadership is, and that is what men are called to do right and the small step is you hear it all the time lead yourself first you know i'm one of the other things i'm talking about tomorrow what i learned coming out of my midlife crisis and certainly almost losing my marriage was i've got to process life through four filters and those four filters are number 1 anytime somebody comes to you with a question and ask a whatever the first question you ask yourself is it good for my soul is it good for my soul? Is it good for my spirit? Is it good for my relationship with God? Is it good for me? Because if it's not good for you, it's not good for anyone. Yep. Number two, is it good for my marriage? So it may be good for me, but is it good for my marriage? And if the answer is no, the right? If it's no for that, it's a no. Number three, is it good for my family? Is it good for my children? Is it good for what's going on inside my home? my family unit and number four, is it good for my career? And I think that when we start to ask those questions, especially when you're bombarded socially and in social media, when somebody sends you a message, when somebody sends you a request, when, so, hey, let's go, is it good for me? Is it good for my, my relationship, my family? Like, what is this not good for? And yeah. that's how we've got to start filtering things and then be the example so people go, hey, something's different about you, Mike. What is it? Oh, well, I stopped you know, drinking. You? Yeah, me. Wow. Well, maybe. And that, that leads to that thought. Maybe I should probably make a change. And if we have more than that, that movement will grow.
1: Absolutely. And that's brilliant, by the way. Those questions are brilliant. And that that's really should be people's uh, guide for as they progress through life. Because one thing we are good at as men is rationalization of bad behavior. Yep. Uh, And uh, when there is no uh, related consequence to the rationalization of the bad behavior, that's when the bad behavior gets out of control, right? So when you uh, when you when your litmus test is you, you 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 judge everything against those four questions and you're actually deep in there a good person. It guides you in the right direction. So that's brilliant, man. I I I, I, I wrote it down while you were telling it, and uh, it's it's cool because we all need. We're all human beings. We all we all stumble. We all trip, right? Uh, you got to recognize that you're vulnerable. Uh, you know, I'm vulnerable, man. I, I I get tired. I get sad. I get uh, frustrated. I mean. The, the question I ask is, what are you going to do about it, bro? Right. Right. You know, I ask myself this question every day. And people around here, man, they're like, well, who are you? Like, I, I've, been, I've been like last week I, I got called a unicorn like 13 times. <laughs> I was like, what, is that, what does that mean? They're like, nobody does the crap you do. Like I get self-satisfaction out of self-sacrifice. I, I don't know, is that, I, like, is that insane? But I feel like if I do things that others either can't or won't do, that moves me closer to God.
0: I yeah, don't, I, I, don't I, know. I, I, I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I, we just don't see, and we don't see enough of it, we don't hear enough of it, right? But, I mean, shit, go, go look at World War II, you, you know, like, you look at that generation, right? We just watched Hacksaw Ridge, which is such a phenomenal movie, we watched it on Memorial Day. You yeah. you had that kind of what you're talking about. It was a culture, for gosh sakes, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we've 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 gotten out of touch with that. Um, and I think there's also a how long does it take a person to get to that point? Because I think we 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 all really do at some point. You go, I got a freaking. That's what man up already is. It's I got to man up already. Like enough. It, it, the, you hear man up oh you got a man up no you got a man up right freaking now and it's not a masculine thing it's a spiritual thing it's it's that you you are created for greatness get your ass up and do something about it and you're just talking about being a living example of that
1: yeah there's a guy in my office who walks around here He he oozes peace and strength not a big guy not a muscular guy not a, you know, he, but he oozes peace and strength. And I, and I talk to him all the time because he's a, he's a really strong man of God, even though we have different faiths. he's just, you know, it doesn't really matter. And I said to him the other day, I'm like, you walk with the grace that only God could give.
0: Ah, uh, what a compliment. That
1: was, that was the, I mean, that was the overwhelming feeling I get from him. And I try to emulate his demeanor because he truly walks with the grace that only God could give and he smiled because he knows he walks with the grace that he got from being you know walking with God. so yeah I, I think it's in all of us I, I think it, it, it's not easy. this is not easy man. Uh, being a good dad, being a good husband, being a good uh, community member, being a good friend, being a good business person is hard stuff right but it's so self-gratifying when you could pull it off. Uh, it's 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 worth the effort,
0: and and the key also I think you would agree is, and, it, and it's uh, I'm I this to me I think is the key to it all is you've got to be surrounded by men who live and breathe and think the same way.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Because you can't do it alone, right? Like when we're weak, you've got to be able to reach out, and that's the other thing not to go down this rabbit trail. That you can't go to the feminine. You can get you can get the feminine nurturing and the feminine love, but you need a man who is walking that same walk to to um, empathize with you and knows exactly and to say you know yes it's hard but you can do it. You need that masculine presence in the company of men to, to keep going.
1: The power of association is about the most powerful influence in your life, and if you associate with people who have been through it got out the other side with dignity and can share experiences with one another. You definitely need to find like-minded people who want to do the right thing and, uh, and, and create a community uh, that makes you feel comfortable in your, in your path, on your path. You know, yeah. that's why I'm happy you're doing this, man. I, I, I really proud. I'm, I don't know. I don't know what it was, dude. I swear to you. Dude, when I called you, there was pretty much no, it was out of the blue it was instant. And I was like, I, I'm feeling, I, I got to talk to somebody and, 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 and I like, Oh my gosh, I got to call John up. He's, 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 he's doing the, the man message. I got to call him.
0: So, <laughs> well, it I'm was, gotta, um, my heart, my heart, my heart did leap when, when I saw your, your name come up. It, it was, um, Um, it was, it was a gift from God. It really, it really was for, for a number of reasons that we can talk about at some point, but, all right, man, we're coming up on an hour. Um, we could, you know, it's fun to have somebody who just gets it and has, you know, we can have these conversations. I'd love to have you on again. Um, I, I don't, I think this is the beginning of something, um, for you and I in regards to this, this mission, Um, because I think the battle is heating up and, um, I think men need to draw swords, stand their ground and say, no, you know, this line, no, you know, this is it. We're not moving. We are not. And I think that's, that's my message to to anybody listening is where the frick is the line for you? When do you draw the line and say, I'm not moving. This is where I stand my ground. And you and I have talked about, this is the mountain in which we're going to fight the battle. So Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Anytime, any place, you got me. I, I really enjoyed uh, a talking to you and catching up, and uh, b you know getting this topic out there. It's definitely uh, it's it's gonna change the world, and we need to. So, uh, thanks, Bud. I'll see you soon.
0: All right, bud. Thank you. You know, it's always such an honor to have such incredible guests here on the podcast, and the podcast just wouldn't be what it is without our great sponsor, Master Beef Jerky. Head on over to masterbeefjerky.com. Check out their product. It is really incredible beef jerky if you're a fan uh, like we are. It's made here in the USA. It's handcrafted. There's no MSG. It's low in in fat. Sorry, It's gluten-free. It's just freaking good. Their motto is bold flavor, tender bite, and they've got flavors uh, like their original. They've got Uh, Smoked barbecue, Korean barbecue, Western teriyaki, sweet and spicy, mango and pineapple, carne asada, garlic pepper, a a Carolina Reaper flavor, and black pepper. It is good stuff. Head on over to masterbeefjerky.com, and on your order, if you put in coupon code M-U-A-P, you will get 20% off. Master Beef Jerky, bold flavor, tender bite, and a great sponsor of the podcast.